Yes, it's Whataboust, a celebration of Reeves and Mortimer. Please welcome your hosts for this podcast, MJ Price and Paula Wiseman. Hello and welcome to Quadabost, a podcast dedicated to the work and genius of Vic Reeves and Bob Mortimer. My name is Matt Price. I used to present the MJ Price Milk Radio Show and I founded the Reeves and Mortimer Depository of Curious Stuff Facebook group. And I am Paula Wiseman, the creator of the Divine Comedians podcast. Joining us today, we have an actor and comedian who has appeared in several comedies and dramas in TV, in film, theatre and podcasts. And if you've never listened to Brian and Roger, the podcast, and do yourself a favour and do so. But, you know, brace yourself. Uh, he has also appeared in a number of shows with Jim and Bob, all of which we shall endeavour to discuss in detail during this conversation. And most famously, of course, on Shooting Stars as award-winning burger van proprietor Angelos Epithemu. Please enter the Novelty Island paddock, Dan Skinner. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, Dan. Hello, Dan. <laughs> hello. <laughs> hello, hello. Lovely to be here. Uh, thank you very much for having me. Um, I don't know what else to say, but those are those are my those are my sincere. Um, I don't know what the word is. Very inarticulate. There we go. <laughs> no, we're very yeah. pleased. The sincerity very... comes across. <laughs> yeah. No, we're very pleased to have you on the podcast, Dan. You know. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank so you. let's start off by going back in time a little bit. Obviously, the majority of our listeners will know you as Angelos Epithemia. So, how did it all start for you? Were you an actor initially who went into comedy, or were you a were you in comedy and then you went into acting? How did it all begin initially? Um, I was sort of nothing, really. Um, I, I, You know, I had one of those sort of like pools where I just thought, well, I'm going to end up somehow doing acting or comedy. And, and I didn't really know how to do it. I went to uh, university and studied theatre studies, um, which is pretty much sets you up for nothing um, other than, you know, just sort of getting you into the world of like performing and stuff. And whilst I was there at the university, they had a um, they had a module in the third year for stand up comedy. Middlesex University is quite famous for that. And the, and the and the culmination of studying stand up was doing a ten minute spot down at the King's Head in Crouch End, which is one of the oldest comedy clubs in London. I mm. believe Joe Bohr has just made a documentary about it. Um, and so I got a taste. I mean, I'd never set out to be a stand-up, and I'd never really watched stand-ups apart from Steve Martin, who I thought was very funny. But it was wasn't anything I'd ever aspired to be in. Um, Vic and Bob is what I aspired to be in, but there's no there's no courses you can go on to learn how to do that stuff. Yeah, you know? that's no. like that. When I first watched. Um, Big Night Out in 1991. That's like, that was like what I would imagine watching punk rock or yeah. hearing punk rock for the first time, where you just go, oh God, this is, how have they managed to get this stuff on telly? This is, you know, this is amazing. And it really is like sort of, you know, completely 
era defining stuff. Um, yeah. And when I saw that, I was like, right, well, that is what I've got to do. I want to, I want to do that. But obviously, you, you know, no idea how to even go about doing that. Um, so when I did my stand-up thing, I, I did that. And then when you do your final stand-up performance, you do it in front of your friends from university. And basically it's a popularity contest. So you're popular. They laugh. And, you know, I had quite a lot of friends there. So I had a good time. You know, I, I had a good one. I thought, I've nailed this. And then you get out in the real world and you try it and people just, you know, you realize you have you have got no idea how to do this. So I yeah. sort of jettisoned that off. I was like, oh, I'm not going to do this then. It's too hard. Um, so I went to university and, uh, yeah, so I've been to university and I came out and I, and I didn't really know how I was going to do any of this stuff. Uh, ended up going to Germany, did TIE, theatre and education uh, for 10 months. Came back from there, ended up, um, ended up with, uh, in Ken Campbell. I don't even know Ken Campbell, but he was like, yeah, legend. Uh, sort of theatrical genius impresario. I, I ended up doing his 24 hour play, The Warp. And then when I met, when I was there doing, doing that, I met a load of other people and we decided to put a sketch show together. And then that sort of changed and morphed and we ended up putting a sketch show together with other people. Went up to Edinburgh, did our first Edinburgh in 2004. And I think that's probably when you can sort of legitimately say, I've started doing comedy, you know? Mm. Uh, before that, it was all just sort of mucking around. I didn't even know what Edinburgh was. When we started putting a sketch show together, the other guy said, oh, we should take this to Edinburgh. I'm like, why? Why don't we just do it in the pub? You know? Um, so, and then I found out, you know, that it, I had heard of this Edinburgh festival, but it, it, <laughs> it hadn't made much of an impact on me in my life. Uh, mm. But yeah, so I ended up going, we ended up going there for 2004, five and six. And then I went back in 2007. And then... um and then I was mucking around in 2008, really, not really knowing. Uh, I'm going into quite a lot of detail here. I hope you, I hope you don't no, know. you That's go fine. into as much detail as you like. You ask whatever you want. Um, <laughs> you know, stop me whenever you want. <laughs> um, I was in 2008, and I wasn't. I was doing the Armstrong and Miller show, um, and I'd met this character called Angelos, this real guy, and I was just doing impressions of him to everybody. And was his I, real name Angelos? Yeah. Yeah, well. <laughs> his real name is Angelos Epithemu, but I changed it to Epithemu. <laughs> um, anyway, I was doing an impression of this bloke, and I was doing the Armstrong and Miller show, and Lucy Montgomery was doing that show as well. And mm -hmm. I kept badgering her with Angelos and just sort of leaving notes under her door and, like, you know, bothering her, basically. And I don't think you get away with that now. <laughs> um, and uh, And she said, Bob Mortimer would love this character. And I'm like, Bob Mortimer? Oh, my God. It hadn't occurred to me. Um, so I made a little video of me being Angelos on the end of my bed. I sat there again, and I said, um, Mortimer, it's Angelos here. Um, this is getting ridiculous now. I don't know why you don't want to give me a job. It's not like I can't do nothing. And then I've made this little video, and I wrote on a napkin – in pencil saying to Mortimer here is my video at last um, please watch it and give me a job from Angelos obviously he'd never met me before never knew anything about me and I just 
scribbled all over the envelope and sent it to him. And miraculously, he like he opened it and watched it, and then rang me and then um, and said, uh, "Yeah, it was Lisa Clark, the producer of Pet Productions, rang me and said uh, Bob really likes your video. Do you want to come and meet him?" And I'm like, "Yes, absolutely." So I went and met Bob, and he said, well, "What do you want to do?" You know, I said, "Well." I want my own show with all my own characters on it, but no one's going to give me that. So if you give me five minutes on one of your shows, that would really help me out. Mm. And he said, um, well, Shooting Stars is coming back. Wow. I said, I said well, I'll do that then. <laughs> um, and then he came to see me at a gig that I did down in Brighton, sat right in the front row. It was a three-hour gig, and I was on stage for most of the time. Um, I guess he just wanted to see if I could be in character for the whole time. Mm. I could, and longer. And under that pressure <laughs> of him sitting yeah, in front of you. Him sitting in front of me. <laughs> nothing, uh, nothing, could, uh, nothing could throw me off. Um, and then he invited me into the rehearsal room. And then in the re when I got to the rehearsal room, there was all the tables were laid out like shooting stars. Jim Vick was there. Matt Lucas was there. Ulrika uh, was there. Uh, Jack D was there. I never had, I'd never met any of these people. I was like, oh my God. Wow. And then um, Bob sort of just wandered up to me and said, Dan, this is going to be really tough for you because we all know each other. Yeah. So we're all mates, you know. So, you know, you've got to chip in where you can, but that's what it will be like, you know, on the show. So, you know, you might as well get used to it. Mm. Anyway, so they're all sat there sort of doing their stuff. And, um, and then I thought, fuck it, man, if I don't say something then I'm just going to go into my shell. Mm. So I just slammed my hand down on the table and I said, have we started this yet or what? Because I have got to go. And then, um, and then they all sort of started <laughs> looking at me and asking me questions. And then Jim started firing a few questions at me. He says, what's the safest place to stand away from a badger? Well, I said, three feet. He went, Correct. And I thought, oh, okay, all right, we're going to be all right, I think. And they just went on like that. And then at the end, Bob said to me, all right, we'll be in touch. And then um, and then he phoned me up and said, yeah, we want you to do it. And that was like getting a phone call from, you know, Steven Spielberg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you've grown up following the career of, of Vic and Bob through the, oh, through the 90s. Hey, honestly, they're, they're like... They make me howl with laughter. They, they, All their shows have made me howl. Like Bang yeah. Bang... You know, the smell of Catterick. Yeah. It's all just made me laugh like a drain. I just find them consistently hilariously funny, you know, and I still do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, to be on a show of theirs, you know, in my own character and for them to say, do whatever you like, is both very, very scary and, you know, also a brilliant opportunity. And not just an opportunity, but just like, fucking cool oh yeah mm. really cool um and so yeah i just felt like i had got i managed to get to a place i never imagined even possible and it was brilliant because they were lovely lovely guys very creative very funny artistic and just really generous you know bob's one of the rare people in this business will that will send the lift back down mm. you know and yeah and, and find other people and haul them up again. So, I mean, was Angelos still very new when when you when you first interacted no, I, with Bob? Was he still very new? 
I've been doing Angela. By the time I met Bob, or send my tape to Bob, I've been doing Angelos for about seven years. Right, right. Oh, right. So he was well established. I yeah. Could, I could speak Angelos, you know, mm. um, which means I could basically any question that anyone asked me, I had a I had an <laughs> Angelos reply, um, you know, and and just I just knew the character inside out, and that's what they that's what they love, you know, people that can be live those characters. Must be like being pos- a bit possessed, you know, <laughs> when you go into character. Bit possessed, or or it's just firing up another. Th- another side of your brain you know yeah it, another just just the, the part of your brain where the sensor is completely off mm. um, and you just say whatever you want you know there's no there's no sort of there's no restraints or anything and but you know you don't tread over the line you don't you don't step over lines or any, anything mm. like that you know you still you still do it within the character it's just very it's actually a very very difficult thing to explain <laughs> You ever surprise yourself when something comes out of your yeah, mouth as Angelos? Where that come there's from? There's moments though. I have. There's uh, even on shooting stars. There are moments where I said stuff and I was like, "Oh man, <laughs> uh, yeah." <laughs> had a couple of sleepless nights, even though everybody had laughed. You know, yeah. I just think oh, that's a bit cruel. Yeah. Um, so I do try and, you know, I, I try and keep an eye on that when I'm doing live stuff. You know, and 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 mm. if I. If I think I've stepped over the line, I'll go in and apologise. Or you know, <laughs> I have to because for my own, for yeah. my own sense of self, you know. Mm. Yeah. But character comedy, be, be, becoming a character, it's a big undertaking, isn't it? So I mean, it's it's no kind of you know you're not getting up on a stage as yourself. I guess it you is. Know? I don't know any different. So yeah, it's, it's not like I mean, a big undertaking for me would for, be for me to get up on stage as, as yourself. Well. That would be a that would be much bigger undertaking. I always prefer playing other people. I just find it, you know, more fun, more interesting, you know. And and also it's it's more, you know, you're 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 pretending to be somebody else, and you have to write their lived experience. And that's a, you know, because if I, if it's me, it's just my opinions, and I don't yeah. know how many people want it. <laughs> you know, there's enough comedians out there who want everyone to know their opinion. Yeah. And I'm just like, I remember when the publicity campaign for that first, your first series of Shooting Stars came out, and Bob was being interviewed and saying, "There's this guy," because giving nothing away that this was an actor or a comedian. This is guy who runs a burger van. He was one a member of the public on every week, uh, and I've met him, and he's at an award ceremony, and he's going to come on, and even your name in the credits was as Angelo Sepetimu. So it was nothing giving it away. Um, no, what no, was the reaction that, to they're that? They're brilliant like that. Bob, he loves, he, he, you know, he'll buy right into it and, and, yeah. and he just wants to fool, he wants to fool the public. It's like a magic trick, you know, it's, it, I don't know, I don't know what you call it, but it's, um, it's, yeah, I mean, once they're in, they're in. It's great. Yeah. How did the other members of the team, like Ulrika and, and Jack, did they, they buy into it straight away or did it take them a while yeah, to no, work I mean, out what like, you were? <laughs> everybody has to work out what was going on. And, <laughs> But I, I think, you know, certainly Ulrika, she's used to sort of being baffled on that show, and she's very good at doing that, you know. So she understands what um, – the weirder it is, the more interesting it is for the audience to watch. Yeah. And, and Jack is just prepared to, you know, do – prepared <laughs> to play along, do anything. He, he understands, you know, he understands the deal as well. So everyone was very generous, and I was allowed to just, you know, 
do whatever I want, really. When you did the like the variety showcases, Angelos's variety showcase, it was was there any given free reign on that, or did Bob or oh, no, Jim give you any all, ideas? That was all, um, Jim came up with those really, yeah. Um, and then I was instructed <laughs> as to what to do, <laughs> and uh, I go, yeah, cool, brilliant, brilliant, and they're all very funny, really. Yeah, I love know, the cat crept in. Yeah, well, that's my one. Oh, what was it? Uh, cat <laughs> crept in is mine. Yeah, <laughs> very much. Yeah. Yeah, no, but there's a lot of improvisational stuff to what you do. A lot of what you do is improvisational. Even the stuff you do with Alex, you know, well, obviously the podcast. Improvisation. That's yeah, 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 yeah. Incredible. I mean, that's about as improvised as you could possibly get. We we don't plan anything. No. Like Even the songs, cool. you know, total smut fest. It's a smut fest. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's what, it is since we put it behind the Patreon wall because we just thought, well, we don't. You know, we're catering for people that want to hear this stuff. So we don't have to worry about what we say, really. We can really go for it. Um, And But, yeah, I mean, that's all completely improvised. And and that is about making each other other laugh, really. We just, just, you know, if you go into certain areas, you go, I think this is going to do it. Um, And it's very, I think think the audience really like that. They find that that good fun. Um, But, yeah, I mean, uh, all the live stuff, you have to be prepared to be able to improvise. Yeah, yeah. Because I ask a lot of an audience. I ask quite a lot of interaction. And so, you know, if, you, if you're going to do that, then you have to be prepared to, you know, get thrown a curveball. Although it's funny because you there's a, there's a section in my show where I ask for audience interaction and what have you. And people pretty much shout the same things every night, <laughs> thinking that it's, like no one's ever said hey, honestly it's just and so like, i've got a load of stuff up my sleeve right? what's in your bag <laughs> gonna say, yeah, yeah yeah all of that of course yeah. which is something i obviously never ever hear <laughs> um yeah so yeah i mean it's you know that's what makes live performance certainly live comedy it's what separates it from um doing a play for example you know where you can't there's no room for that at all mm. where mm. you can where, but that comedy is very is a brilliant visceral relationship between you and an audience and you know and and it's up to you how to time something it's up to you you know how to play a moment after an audience has done a certain thing and that's you know that's really as a creative comedian it's really it's it's a thrilling it's a thrilling thing really it's a very mm. hard drug to kick as well, I'd imagine. <laughs> mm. Yeah. But, I mean, even how, how did the bag thing begin? Was it just you wanted well, to have a prop? the bag thing was like, so I'd met this guy, Angelos you, and but the look actually is based on my grandfather, who used to dress like pretty much like Angelos with the, with those trousers. I mean, he was a very smart man, my, my grandfather, so it's not, you know, he he wore a tie a lot of the time, and, mm. and I have just exaggerated it and uglified it. <laughs> but he was he was a smart bloke, but he he um, yeah he would wear an anorak. It's just that my anorak hasn't been washed or ironed yeah. for a, a long <laughs> period of time. He would wear a tie, but my tie is down to my knees. Yeah, yeah. And my trousers are too short. His weren't, but it's his colours. It's his, yeah. and he would wear, he would carry a Sainsbury's plastic bag around quite a lot of the time with his, with his car keys in, stuff like that. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's, and, and the glasses were, 
he had those glasses as well, those those sort of NHS glasses, which I can't get hold of now, so I'm having to use my own ones. But my my ones snapped, my Angelos glasses snapped. So uh, yeah, but that's where the look came from, basically. Bit of sellotape. <laughs> yeah, Jack Duckworth style. Going back to shooting stars briefly, were there any memorable guests that you can think of? I mean, I was watching the episode the other night with Bridget Nielsen. Which yeah, is, I was going to say, the one with Bridget Nielsen was brilliant because, yeah. I mean, she was so enthusiastic. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, I think I turned around and told her to calm down. Which <laughs> <laughs> was, there's things that I did where the, the art was, I thought, that's very funny that I've said that to her. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Just. Yeah. Calm down. <laughs> it's the American so, guests are always a bit OTT on this. So this is great. Like, like, you know, that's just in terms of playing playing with status, that is all over the place. That she's basically a Hollywood superstar, and I'm this little twat burger man <laughs> telling her to calm down like a fucking <laughs> teacher. It's really, it's, it was lots of very funny layers there. Um, and of course, the other one was um, the other one that really stands out was um, David Guest, R.I.P. Yeah, um, and that was one of those things where I had one of those nights after that where I was going, where I went. Well, a few moments afterwards, I was like, "Oh bloody hell, man, that, that was a bit much," because um, I went over to because he was on with Ben Miller, and they were sat either side of Ulrika Johnson. I went over to Ben and threatened him and said, "Listen." You know, she's my girl. Don't you go anywhere near her or else there'll be trouble, you know. And I walked back towards my desk. And then on my way back, Bob said to me, why didn't you say anything to David, Angelos? And I just turned around and said, well, look at him. And it was very funny. (laughs) But I did have one of those moments afterwards where I go, oh, what a horrible thing to say. Well, anyway, afterwards in the green room, David Guest manager came up to me and said, David thinks you're very funny and wondered if you wanted to pitch an idea of a show of you and him doing a travel log around Britain together. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, maybe. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh. Never came off. Never came no, off. That would have been incredible. In the green room. <laughs> yeah. Bloody <laughs> hell. So... You did three series of shooting stars, and the next thing you did with with Jim, which a lot of people might not have seen because it was on children's television, was the Ministry of Curious Stuff. Yeah, as Captain Lengthwit. That's which... right. Yeah, that was um, that was uh, that was actually quite full on because it was mm. uh, we had two. I don't know how many episodes we did a series. It was something like ten, I think. Yeah, and we filmed them in two weeks in um, in a studio in Elstree. Um, I think Elsie and Twickenham, um, and we were just—I mean, it was literally like start the camera rolling at nine, stop the camera rolling at seven. Wow! And you barely leave this this studio, and you're just banging out this stuff moment after moment after moment. And it was—it was—I mean, it came out very well, I think, and it yeah. was fun to do, obviously. And you know, Jim's brilliant, um, but it was—it was hard work doing that. But, it, I mean, it was, yeah, I think, I, I don't know how well it went down or what anyone thought, but it was a sort of unusual children's TV show. Yeah, it slipped uh, under the radar, I think. It's co-written yeah, by yeah. Um, Steve Burge, isn't it, who was um, obviously involved with Tony Way and Reese yeah. Thomas in the early days. 
Yeah, he um, wrote it, didn't he? He wrote bits yeah. of that. He's just done a nice show for Apple. How was he? Yeah. Mm. A big deal. And there's a lot of kids in that. Was, that's been hard working days. Lots of Jack Carroll. And, um, yeah, Jack Carroll was in it, yeah. And uh, Tiger. Yes, Tiger Drew Honey. Drew Honey, Drew yeah. Honey that's right. Yeah. Lovely yeah. kids. Really, really cool. Jack's gone on to do, you know, well with stand-up and all the rest of it. He was a comedy obsessive. Yeah. At the age of 14, when I was working, doing that with him, he just knew every comedy routine. He got every DVD, every, you know, he just watched it obsessively. And so it's not surprising that he's um, he's now doing it himself. He was supporting Frankie Boyle the other day. Yes, uh, that's yeah. right. Very cool. I was on a comedy writing course with him a few years later, and he was probably still in his teens, I expect. But, yeah, yeah he's one of those who just think, yeah, he'll probably go on to do yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. He's got a thing. He's got, yeah. a, he's, got a, he's got a unique um, perspective on the world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good lad. You, it was a great double act, I think, you and Vic in, um, in Ministry of Curious Stuff. Yeah, it's good fun, man. It's there's some really good stuff he wrote for the two yeah. of you. Well, that, a lot it's of that was improvised. You know, we had yeah. they would say, and then it's and there's a big, big holes in the script where it goes, Dan and Jim will improvise. And we just, oh, God. <laughs> so we'd have to go over to the props table and just pick some stuff out and go, right, what can we do with this? And, you know, but you, you wouldn't have it. I mean, at the time when it's when you're sort of presented with it, you're like, oh, man. But then, of course, when you're doing it, you go, well, this is really satisfying because it's working and it's funny and and it's just more, it's it's much more sort of, it, it's much more fresh and spontaneous than having to do jokes off of the script, which for some reason, when you come up with jokes and you write them down, is great. But then you have to find a way of delivering them in the moment that sounds like you're saying it the first time, and that can, yeah, that can be a you know that can be a, a a tricky a tricky thing to do. So to be able to improvise and come up with your own thing, then it's then it's cool because the other person doesn't know what you're going to say basically, mm. and that's where the real sort of gold nuggets sort of come. Yeah, well, Jim will just dig his false teeth out. Yeah, yeah, well, that's, you know, I spent like two series with the false teeth in the whole time. Really, <laughs> nearly gave, gave me a massive headache every day, crunching my jaw. <laughs> mind you, between that and Angelos, three hours of recording Angelos and shooting stars, like I wore these glasses when I did shooting stars for Angelos, I couldn't see out of at all. <laughs> so I just had these headaches all the time, sticking my jaw out. And the, the next day after filming, I'd wake up going, God, I feel terrible. And, you know, I, 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 I didn't occur to me that it's because I couldn't see and I was like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, doing that, giving myself headaches. But there we go. <laughs> Anything for the art. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then in 2012, there was a pilot episode. I assume it was just a pilot and it was going to yeah. be a series. Lucky Sexy Winners. Lucky Sexy Winners, which is still a strangest title. <laughs> you know, it, wasn't, gonna take it off. wasn't the time. It was a strange title, Lucky Sexy Winner. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, I played a Viking Lord, didn't I, in that one, like doing the scores. Yeah, your full uh, title, I've got it written down here, was, yeah, the, the Warrior King of Hellstratum, the Keeper of the Secret Bone, John Morang. That's John <laughs> Morang. That's it. Morang <laughs> I played. Yeah, there you go. So I wanted to play John Wrangley. He had this very lofty title, but I wanted to play him like a Surbiton real ale drinker. <laughs> yeah. You know, just very <laughs> suburban and hello there. Very nice. Just happy to kill people. <laughs> right. Yeah. 
<laughs> yeah. yeah. No, it was just—it was obviously a shooting stars by another name. I don't know if it was it ever a discussion of that becoming a series or. Well, you don't get to have those discussions. That's no. like the channel discuss those things, mm. um, and you're not part of those discussions. They'll just sort of you'll do your pilot or whatever. I think I think it wasn't billed as a pilot; it was billed no. as something else. Um, and they and they'll just sort of go away, and then you know you won't hear anything, or, or things will just get swept under the carpet. So you never really—it's all very vague, all of that sort of stuff. Um, there was no mention of a series. I don't think it was ever intended for that. And of course, a couple of years later, that came House of Fools, which is yeah, House just of Fools, man, a thing of beauty. That's one of the funniest shows ever put on television. House of Fools. Yeah. Um, but the um, not the issue, but the, the the thing about Dick and Bob is that they have a very core, sort of hardcore following of about seven hundred thousand viewers. And so on BBC Two now, I think you need about a million for it mm. to keep yeah. going. And, and they, they were sort of weren't quite getting that. Um, so, yeah, so it only got two series. Yeah, it's Christmas special, I think. But, God, it was funny. It was it was a very funny show. Well, it looks great. I mean, for your um, uh, multicam studio audience sitcom, mm. you had... Obviously, more more mainstream ones like Mrs. Brown Boys at the time, Miranda, Citizen Khan. I think Not Going Out might have been out at the time. But there's not been a one as a more subversive, surreal one since probably Father Ted, I, I expect. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's, I think it's a I mean, good company. Chris Morris likened it to the goons, which basically yeah. it was. Yeah. It was a lot like that. Um, you know, basically, and, and also I, li- I like the um, I like the non ambiguity with the title it was a house of fools you know a house of idiots and just sort of mucking around and, and the plots were sort of paper thin mm. but it's all just sort of characterization and daft silly you know silly characters um but it was brilliant fun really really good fun and you know doing that stuff in front of a in front of the live studio audiences was really you know it was brilliant what, what a great show i don't know I don't know what else to say about it. It's just, you know, it was, it was just funny, great characters, and, yeah, I think it's a massive hit. Yeah. Was that one of the first times you worked with, like, Morgana Robinson and Matt Berry? No, I've worked with Morgana brilliant. before, and I had – I'd met Matt a few times. Um, I don't know what, <laughs> what I'd done with Matt before, but I'd, I'd met him – he'd been on Shooting Stars, actually. He he played um, Vangelis. Yeah, of course. I can't remember where else I'd met him, but you know, he's just been around the comedy circuit, so yeah, would have bumped into him at you know various various points. But yeah, very funny. That voice has just got him all the way to Hollywood. (laughs) It really has, hasn't it? And that sounds unfair. It's like it's not just the voice, but (laughs) that voice is. Well, no, it helps. Yeah, it helps. But I mean, how did Bosch come about? Um, What did he come to you fully formed? Or did they kind well, of give you a rough character. outline? They wanted me to play this bloke that um, that had just come out of prison. So he had to be pretty hard and sort of pretty, you know. Um, but it's hard keeping that up, you know. It's hard It's hard just being, like, you know, just, just, just hard. And, you know, so you have to find other ways of doing it and find other ways of being funny and all the rest of it. 
Um, so yeah, it started one thing and sort of became something else really. Um, mm. and no one said anything. So <laughs> yeah, just cracked on. Yeah. And, and you twat seems to be the, uh, <laughs> what's in your bag and you twat are the things that get shouted at me quite a lot. Do you get people asking you to call them a twat? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do. <laughs> You know those memo things, those uh, yeah, oh yeah, those video messages, and says, "Can you call my husband a twat?" <laughs> yeah, you twat. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> now I don't, I don't have a preference on the two bosses. I think they're both two great characterizations. Yeah. Okay. I think the second one had the best wardrobe. Right? Yeah, yeah, he had a good wardrobe, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Weird. And you do some great slapstick, especially in that second series when you're with Morgana in the um, in the bistro. Yeah, yeah, next door. jump over bars and get fallen, punch through windows and all sorts of things. Yeah. Great. Enjoy that. Oh, I loved it. I love it. Love falling over. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Well, no, you're, you're very physical. You're very physical and visual, mm. you know, in, in what you do. So, I mean, obviously you're a, you're a fan of slapstick, I would, I would assume, sort of going back. No, I was, I was, I've got two small children um, <laughs> and... We were sat down, one seven-year-old, me and my three-year-old, the other day watching Rick and Bob smash each other over the head with pans. Um, and we were all laughing our heads off. Like, yeah. yeah. So I think, I, think, um, I think it's very important to use your body when you can. And, and, you know, there's nothing like running into a lamppost and falling over and smashing. The bigger, the better, you know. The... Uh, yeah, the, the thing I enjoyed the most, I think, was when I chucked the banister through the window <laughs> in the end of series one, I think it mm. was, of Shooting Stars. And very deadpan. House of Fools. Oh, yeah, yeah, House of Fools, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and very, in a very deadpan way. I, I enjoyed that very much. But yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I do, I've added a lot more physicality into Angelos on stage as well now because you think, you know, it's, it's made for it, really. He's really, um, he can pull some funny old shapes and funny old faces <laughs> and moves and yeah. stick his belly out and all sorts, you know. So it's, it really does add a load of stuff to, to the performance. That's what I like about doing Angelos is because he's, he's, because he's my character and he's, he can just expand into any way that I want. He can, I can, if I say, if I now decide he's this sort of person, mm. he can become this sort of person, you know. That's the beauty of, doing your own characters, I suppose. Yeah, well, no, he has his own backstory, you know, mm. which, which I love about a lot of character comedians. Yeah. There, is a, there is a backstory, and as a fan, you kind of you come, become acquainted with the well, backstory. backstory sort of forever changing your backstory, depending yeah. on the situation that you're in. You know, my backstory that I do on the podcast with Alex changes <laughs> from minute to minute. Yeah. You know, we've been brain surgeons. <laughs> accountants and we work for everybody and we're friends with everybody um it's great though you know and basically we're just lying to each other for half an hour so yeah. that you know that's the fun fun of it yeah that's the beauty of it i was being a fan though you know obviously we've got barry and margaret and all his kids and the, <laughs> the grandchildren and the family yeah. yeah yeah it's all part of it you know oh, just yeah exactly extended family extended family reference points but now we've got a load of celebrity reference points. Elton John, Leo Sayer, 
Kim Woodburn. (laughs) David Van Dyke taking a beating. (laughs) 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 Yeah, I don't know why or how that's happened, but I think Ross Kemp's going to be the latest gang. Nice. Right. He's a good addition, Ross Kemp. Uh, Adding to the stable. Come up with a characteristic for him, how we see him, you know, an attitude. Uh, that's the thing course, is there much do you discuss much before before starting a podcast or you just, <laughs> do you just go straight into it we just press record and off we go <laughs> and then if you if I say something about Ross Kemp Alex Alex or I or one of us might say well you know what he's like don't you yeah. and then you chuck it to the other person they have to come up with his personality and so and then you have to go oh yeah I know well he can be that way you know and then you're sort of creating Ross Kemp's character live yeah. on the podcast. And it's, you know, and it's just all spontaneous. <laughs> but what a laugh. What a laugh to do that. He's going back into acting, Ross Kemp, isn't he? I see a yeah, trailer on TV the channel last night. Yeah, so yeah. all the more reason to uh, mention it on the, on the podcast. Yeah. What a way to make a living, eh, hey, Dan? Exactly. <laughs> Part of a living, anyway. <laughs> Not much money in podcasts. So how did the act? How did the acting side come about? Because you've done so much stuff other than the the, the comedy stuff. Was it just literally well, you got offered roles? Interesting because you know, some if you, I mean, if you play someone like Angelos, it's it's um, you normally get stuck in that because it's, it's people just can't see you as anything else, you know. But I kept ever since my sort of big old splash in about two thousand and nine to two thousand and. 11, 12, something like that. I've kept Angelos fairly low key um, so that I can go out and I can do lots of live stuff, but it means I'm not just known for Angelos. Yeah, yeah. And mm. and if I'm not just known, if I if Angelos was all over the telly, I think it would be hard for me to get other acting other jobs. Other stuff, yeah. So mm. I keep Angelos live and then um, occasionally I might pop up on TV and do something. Um and then it it allows me to do straight acting. Which mm. is, I've done quite a lot of that. I I played um, PC David Rathband last year in the Hunt for Raoul Moat, which was a pretty big story. Mm. And I played a scientist James Cairns in the Litvinenko story as well. Um, and so yeah, I mean, I, I and if I if I was all over the TV with Angelos, there's no way that I would be able to do that because mm. that would be like asking Al Murray to you know, to step into some of those roles, you know, with, with, with his sort of background of the pub landlord and people do get nervous and jittery and, and, and think, well, no, the public, the public will only see him as that and they won't Mm. accept it another way. So you've got to be a little bit careful. Um, But I think I've managed to get the balance sort of just right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You couldn't see Barry Humphreys, for example, Playing many straight parts because everyone's saying. Well, he used to. That's the thing. He used to. He used to. Barry Mm. Humphreys. He's a a brilliant actor, and he was in lots of sort of decent films when he was a younger man. Yeah. But as he got older, and you know, Dame Edna and Les Patterson sort of took over, Mm. then then that was it. You know, he's doing that, and and why not? I mean, they're just like the best comedy characters ever written. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, I mean, you've, you've played a few sort of hard men, <laughs> Dan. There's not a lot of romantic leads in your... <laughs> no, it's mostly hard men. And <laughs> I get killed quite a lot as well. 
I think I've been killed about seven times. Poisoned, <laughs> beaten up. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Going back to Vic and Bob, um, one thing that comes up with everyone we talk to really is the glove, which yeah. I know there were some um, photos emerged online of a, like a table read with yourself. Do we know anything else? <laughs> Any movements on that? Do you know, I don't know about that. I was actually contracted to do it uh, a year ago. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I haven't, I haven't heard from them about, I could text Jim and ask him. <laughs> yeah. I'm I'm live on the podcast. You, know, you, sort of, you know, you just sort of think, well, just let them come, you know, with any, yeah, when they're you ready, ever, you don't want to ever be going, what's happened to that project? Mm. Um, you just have to let things go, and then if they come back round, then they come back round. But I mean, it was all—it was all like, it all seemed to be, um, you know, all 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 systems go for that mm. a year ago. So I don't know what's happened. Um, it'll be—I mean, that's the thing with independent films; it can it can yeah. be a hundred things that stops these things happening. Um, and it might even be that Jim and Jim and Bob don't know why it's not. Yeah, know, what, what's happened to it? Because they did have funding, and they, you know, and they, yeah, and they had producers on board and all sorts. So, who knows? Yeah. Who knows? And they I seem content. Play a part in it, a nice part in it as well. So, yeah, yeah. I said they seem content either fishing or painting at the moment. Anyway, well, so Jim always wanted to paint. Yeah, you know, he's always that's his first love. He's an artist. And... Mm. Oh, he's so talented. It's crazy. Yeah, he really is. And he, I, he, his whole comedy was based on art, you know. Mm. I don't think he knew any other comedians. Mm, yeah. Um, and it was all just his idea of what comedy was, and it just happened to chime with lots of people. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's, he, he's always, he's always painted and he gets a lot of pleasure out of that. And I think he just prefers doing that now than to performing. So yeah, I think that's him for, Forevermore now, painting yeah. whatever. Come, I know he spends a lot of time up in the studio doing that. Mm. So why not? Yeah, I can't. My fingers crossed. It sees the light of day eventually. Well, I hope so. It's really yeah. funny script. I mean, it's really funny, really funny. So it should do. But I don't know. Well, if some reason it doesn't come off, at least they should publish that script so we can all. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they should. They should. Yeah, yeah. Go yeah. about Angelos briefly. Uh, so I've been watching a couple of episodes of Shooting Stars ahead of this. He's got some moves, hasn't he? I mean, can you still throw down the lino and um Probably. Yeah. Was that those days gone? Probably. I think I probably could he probably could pull out the breakdancing moves. Did he spin on his back or on his head or something? I, I, I did that, didn't I, once? Yeah, I think whether you got on your head on purpose or it just ended up on your head. But... I remember I could do a breakdancing move and I think I once showed it to Bob. He said, Well, <laughs> Angelos has got to do that, man. <laughs> <laughs> Start the show with it. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. I loved it when you sort of came out of characters and or we did an impression or did something like that, and that was the only glimpse to the yeah. general public who didn't know that. Oh, hang on, this might be somebody else <laughs> behind this character. There's, there's, there's uh, he's got skills. He's yeah. got, <laughs> I would like it when Angelos has got skills. You know, like in my in the latest show that I'm doing or the 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 live stuff I'm doing. I do a genuine mind reading trick and it's really good. Brings the house down. Yeah. But it's very un, um, it's very unangelos and it's very un, um, you're not expecting it. Yeah. So when it actually comes off at the end, 
it's like, oh, right, fuck. Okay, cool. And wow. it's a lovely surprise. It's really good. Really good. 10 out of 10. You're into Clinton Baptiste territory there. Yeah, well, he was. <laughs> I did a gig with him the other day, his, uh, his show, and he says, how did you do that? How did you do that mind reading trick? If you're nicking it, <laughs> yeah. you're like, no, I said, <laughs> magic circle, son. <laughs> do, do you have a process for for writing for Angelos, or is it oh, literally no, just it go happens, for it? And it, do you know what the the only bit of the process is the hardest bit is just sitting down and actually starting the process. You know, yeah, that's that that's. That's the thing. You've got to just sit down and you've got to go, right, I've got to come up with some Angelos stuff now. <laughs> um, and that's, you know, it's a commitment. It's a commitment. But no, not really. Not really. You just have to just, it's trial and error. And it's like, sometimes jokes just come to you. And other times you've got to go and find them, seek them out. And, you know, and, and you got to have jokes as well. Like Angelos will give me five minutes on stage um, of just being sort of strange or unusual, you know. Um, but then you've got to be funny and you've got to have punchlines. Um, otherwise, you won't make any money. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. No, that's the nice thing about what you do with Alex. You know, you're so so different, but well, you have a thing. very similar mindset. Yeah, we are. But it, but it's it's that's the thing. That's the one sort of place you go, well, we're not on a stage. We are literally just talking to each other. So mm. we, we can just uh, improvise and just make... You know, it's it's not so it's not so punchline heavy. You know, you don't have to have bits where the audience are going to go, ah. You know, you can just you can just it's an atmosphere and a tone mm. and a feeling really, rather than um rather than joke. You know, set up joke, set up joke. You know, um, and it's pointless trying to even do that. It's just because you, you it blocks the flow and you and it means you you're trying too hard and yeah. and what it's got to feel like is it's literally you're not trying at all and i think we do that quite successfully (laughs) (laughs) the comedy just comes from the characters and it yeah basically and and then i I always love listening to it and then and then listening to the noises we make when the other one's (laughs) talking so if alex is i'm going and that makes me laugh just as much as anything else (laughs) <laughs> oh, and Alex Corpson is is fantastic. Oh, great fun, yeah, I love it. <laughs> he's a, I like Corpson as well. It's great. It's because they're genuine. It's not. It's yeah, not, it's genuine laughter. It's genuine fun. You know. So he's an episode of House of Fools, isn't he? Doesn't he? Uh, yeah, he is. He he's, he wears a he wears a Hawaiian dress, sort of tribal dress, isn't it? Hula yeah. skirt. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Is he an actor who's in the wrong show or something I from think a neighbouring set? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I can't yeah. remember what he was, but it was something <laughs> like that. Yeah. So that's been fantastic, Dan. Thanks for Thank you very joining much us. For having me. Yeah. One thing I, I just wondered if Angelos was here today, what mm. would he would have to say about his time working with Vic and Bob? What a total colossal waste of time. I could have done it all myself. And they have ridden on the back of my coattails for too long now, actually. So it's time for me to jettison them and go my own way. Okay? So there you have it. (laughs) Bye-bye. Thank you, Angelos. Thank you, Dan. Thanks for joining us. It really was quite a boast. Um, Quite a boast. Quite a boast. boast. 
All righty. Cheers, Dan. See you later. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thank you all for listening to this edition of Quadaboast. Special thanks to Matt Lucas for permission to use the Peanuts music as our theme tune, and thanks to Ed Lewis for this edit. Thank you to Jake Chesson for permission to use the photo from his 1995 shoot of Jim and Bob in our various online locations for the podcast. And of course, thank you very much to Jim Moyer and Bob Mortimer, without whom this podcast, well, it just wouldn't exist, would it? Remember to check out Paula's Divine Comedians podcast as well, and to join the Reza Mortimer Depository of Curious Stuff Facebook group. And I think you'll agree, that really was a lot of fun. Goodbye.